We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here we go. It is Irish Breakdown time. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown podcast. I'm Vince D'Addario. I'm the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. That guy right there, that's Sean Davis. He is our uh, special guest slash pretty much always contributor to Irish Breakdown. My man, Sean, how you doing today, sir? I'm wonderful, man. Happy holiday season to everyone out there. Absolutely. This, this is... Look, I, I I'm as corny as the next guy. I love this season. I, I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. This is, yeah. you know, my wife's birthday's in November. It was yesterday. That's why I wasn't on the show yesterday. And then my birthday's in December. This is like the holidays. You get all kinds of time off of work. Like life is good during this time period. I love it. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, uh, you, you must have been praying for me this weekend, Vince. It <laughs> turned out. It turned out pretty well. This this is my. Thanksgiving, pre-Thanksgiving every year. Nice. The 20th, my mother-in-law's birthday, my wife's birthday. The 22nd, my daughter's birthday, my parents' anniversary. Wow. All within two days, every year, right before Thanksgiving. So That is quite the pregame for Thanksgiving. That is the pregame set up, but the meal and the holiday, the main attraction is my favorite holiday, and uh, I can't wait getting some of that Cajun turkey on Thursday. That sounds unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, guys, this week uh, we are going to basically have our normal schedule. So we're going to we're gonna talk uh, upon – well, I got the wrong thing up here. Uh, but we, we're going to talk uh, about Stanford today. We're going to talk about the Stanford offense versus Notre Dame's defense. Then tomorrow we're going to flip the script and we'll talk about uh, Notre Dame's offense versus Stanford's defense. Yeah. Excuse me. And then let's uh, see. see. Boom. There we go. Uh, Then on Thursday, we will have our normal prediction show and and the prediction show. It will be taped uh, because we are going to spend some time with our families on Thanksgiving. But it is going to be taped and we will put it out on Thursday. And then Friday will be our normal mailbag show. So it'll be a Black Friday version of the mailbag, even though it feels like 
Black Friday is going away. Everybody's doing their sales all month long. It's not really what it used to be, but hey, whatever. Um, were you ever a big Black Friday guy? Did you like try to stand in line and do all those things? I did it one time and I was done. I allowed my uh, my <laughs> wife and my mother and some uh, some family that were in town to talk me into going driving out to an outlet mall <clears throat> at about midnight. And um, first of all, the exit just to get off was backed up for miles. Oh my gosh! And we ended up having to park at a hotel like down the street and walk and then stand in line outside the store. So that was my experience. That was my one and only Black Friday experience. And I vowed never again to ever do that again. So I'm cool sitting behind the computer right here, Vince, <laughs> and making my purchases right here and having it shipped. I'm perfectly I, I, fine I'm with that. I'm with you. I did it one time. My wife wanted this one particular item. So I went and I stood in line and I did the thing and it was chaos. And I, and, and, and look, I'll be honest, I worked in retail for a while. So mm -hmm. I was on the receiving end of black Friday, a few years in a row. It, never again, man. I am so glad that Irish breakdown has come into my life. And so <laughs> I don't have to do that anymore. Right. <clears throat> retail on black Friday is for the birds, man. It's for the birds. Everybody so, be safe. If you yes, do go out, be safe. Absolutely. Be very, very safe and, and be and be nice, right? Yes. Be, be nice. Be kind, okay? Because that, you don't see a whole lot of that on, on Black Friday. So, uh, And be kind to the people working. Yeah. Because they got there at like 4 or 5 in the morning as well. And uh, that's not really they, where they want to be either. So be nice to everybody. So anyway, Sean, this is the first time I've been able to talk to you since mm -hmm. Saturday night. <clears throat> or Saturday afternoon, I should say. And there was a football game that was played in South Bend. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could call it a football game. Uh, there were two teams. Uh, one scored, one didn't. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on on Notre Dame, how they played, the whole nine. You know, they're obviously, I, I'm assuming you're going to agree that it was their most complete game of the season. Mm -hmm. But uh, your thoughts overall on Notre Dame's performance against Georgia Tech? I would like to borrow the words of LeBron James uh, when he won his first championship and was asked how he felt. His response was, about damn time. <laughs> yep. Watching that performance against a an inferior talented team we've seen that multiple times on this schedule all year and finally Notre Dame finally made the inferior team look like they were supposed to look and my, my thoughts immediately after the game were about damn time like this is what we've been waiting for and we understand all of the adversity that this team I mean they had to find a quarterback to lead this team a lot of different position changes, the issues with the offensive line. We understand that. But the fruits of the labor. And that's what stood out to me as well. It was senior day. And you just think about the first time you run out of the tunnel, that's special. The last time you run out of that tunnel, that's special. And to put forth that type of performance for a senior class that has, mean, that has meant a lot to establishing the current culture for Notre Dame football in this program, let allowing them to go out that way, it was the best. You you couldn't have written a better script than Saturday afternoon. So yeah, yep, yeah, I completely agree with you. And and look, Notre Dame has laid eggs on on Senior Day in the past, and, yes. and I'm not just saying losing, but just not playing well. You know, yeah. whether it was the emotion of the day, 
or whatever. That was not the case uh, today, or, or uh, Saturday, excuse me. That was not the case. They came out firing. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest problem was that first drive where they ended up kicking a field goal because they probably should have punched it in, yeah. uh, and they didn't. <clears throat> and the vitriol from the fan base was obviously on high alert, and I get it. Yeah. But then, you know, they had, what, six possessions in the first half, scored touchdowns on five, scored a field goal on the other. I mean, it was a beatdown of epic proportions. And then the defense just – I mean, this defense is unbelievable right now. And we're, we're going we're gonna to talk about the defense here in a moment. Um, but the defense against Georgia Tech was start to finish, backups included. They just did their thing, and there was nothing Georgia Tech could do about it. Yeah, I saw you guys on the post-game show discuss whether or not long-term Kyle Hamilton being injured and be on the sideline was a good thing for Marcus Freeman in his defense. And then I understand people that look at it from both sides. Of course, you would like to have your All-American all on the field. But what it really did, it gave us a glimpse into the future, especially in the defensive backfield, right. how good this defense can be. And you lose a lot of leadership up front, the guys like Myron and Kurt graduating. But, you know, you have to think about, will Isaiah Foskey return? I'm sure he's going to look at his options for the NFL draft. But you just look at the talent, and they showed it, not just the starters, but even the reserves coming in and wanting to keep Georgia Tech off the scoreboard. And the way everybody played, they flew around. I absolutely think that was one of the things. It was almost like a blessing in disguise because it really showed the strength of Marcus Freeman, which is scheming, development, and putting what he has and taking what he has and being able to cook up the dish for what he has in the pantry. Like, he doesn't have to leave the house and go shopping for something else. That's coming next year. He'll get his new groceries in in the springtime, some in the winter. But what he had in the cupboard, he was able to take that, work with it, and what he's put out, what this defense has put out over the last, I would say even the last five weeks, Vince, because I would go back to their performances against North Carolina and USC when they were asked to do things that were outside of the aggression or the normal aggression that they were used to. They were asked to sit back, keep everything in front of you, tackle, and eliminate the best, I mean, the big play. They did that well. And then once they were unleashed the last three weeks, that front seven has gotten after every quarterback. And I literally I, – I just felt bad for Yates, for Jordan Yates on Saturday because, you know, other than maybe like getting a new uh, – installing a new West Coast offense at halftime with a one-step drop maybe and some slants, there was nothing he could do. There was nothing he could do. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I mean, he he if he didn't wake up Sunday morning, and just oh. not be able to get out of bed. I yeah. I would have been shocked because yeah. he got he got hit so many times. Not and not even just the sacks. I mean, uh Xavier Watts put a lick on him uh on one of his yeah. throws. Mm-hmm. Uh I mean, he was getting knocked to the ground like crazy. And yeah. you know, but that's what you need to do as a front seven because you do need to protect your secondary, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think Notre Dame's secondary secondary has gotten better as we have progressed through the season. I really do, and I trust them. But man, why not make their job that much easier by having such a dynamic, you know, aggressive in-your-face front seven? I mean, that that only helps your secondary, helps your defense. When, I mean, how how is Yates not just looking for the rush? I mean, by the third (laughs) series, you know what I mean? Like exactly, he was just getting hammered all day long, and I, I felt bad for him too. And I I was kind of hoping that Georgia Tech would put their back up to the backup in at some point, but yeah. you know, they never did. And it was Yates's game to play. And I mean, to his credit, he kept going. I mean, he yeah. kept, he kept he coming. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Jeff Collins more than likely would probably lose his job looking at his performance over the last four seasons. And you don't want to call for anyone's job because it's not official. It hasn't happened yet, but allowing your tight end on more than one occasion to be left alone to block Isaiah Foskey is a fireball offense. Yeah, that was terrible. Every, every team in the previous three games purposely game plan to stop Isaiah Foskey from wrecking their offense. They double teamed him, they triple teamed him. And for some reason, you thought, you know what? Just go ahead. We're rolling out so we can just let the tight end block him. No. <laughs> That's what I knew, like, yeah, this team isn't prepared because there's no way you should be leaving that man single coverage with a tight end. Yeah, when they when they put up that replay on TV, you know, after – I mean, I don't even think the tight end touched him. No. And, and I don't blame the tight end. That's not his – like, that is not his fault. He, he is not – he cannot be expected to go one-on-one with a guy the caliber of Isaiah Foskey. That, yeah. That's – you're right. That's a fireable offense. Like, yeah. what, what are you doing? If you want to bring the tight end over to help double-team – or whatever, that's fine. That's probably what you should be doing. But to have him go one-on-one? I don't know what they were thinking. I'm saying to myself, this could not have been – they probably – did they mix the sheets up? Did they call – are they using the play sheet from the previous game? Like, <laughs> like there's no way this was the game plan coming in. No, no way. way. No way. You cannot no. be a Division One coach 
at position coach, whatever. Right. I don't coordinator and draw up a play where you're like, yeah, one on one with seven, no problem with the tight end. We got this. Right. You know, that that's just yeah, that's just poor coaching, poor planning, poor play calling, all of the above. So uh, a dominating performance by Notre Dame, which which was so much fun to watch. I, I mentioned in the post game show, I usually take notes on every single play. By the third series, man, I was just sitting back, <laughs> popcorn, literally just watching watching it happen on both sides yeah. of the ball. So, um, <clears throat> it it was pretty fantastic. So, let's talk a little bit about college football yeah. uh, because I want to get your thoughts on everything that went down this week, and frankly, what to expect tonight. <clears throat> uh, the college football playoff uh, rankings come out tonight. Brian and I'll have a show right around 7:30. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to get I want to get the thoughts of Sean Davis because this was yet again another weekend of upsets and another weekend where Notre Dame is just going to move their way up the standings just kind of creeping up. I saw I saw a meme on social media that showed like Notre Dame in the rearview mirrors as objects maybe closer than they appear. Yeah. Like, yeah, Notre Dame's closer than they appear, man. Like, yeah. I honestly don't see a scenario <clears throat> where Notre Dame doesn't get in at this point. Like there, yeah. there are more scenarios where they do get in than scenarios where they don't get in, yeah. even from a reality-based standpoint. You know what I mean? So I want to get your opinion on just college football. You can go anywhere you want with this one, Sean. Uh, college football playoff rankings, the, the, the weekend that was, whatever. Well, you start out with the initial rankings and you saw Notre Dame where they were. As a fan, you just kind of said, man, this stinks. I don't see a path. And from that that day on, every week has been like, every weekend in college football has been like Christmas morning and getting everything that's on your list. Because everything that needs to happen to build to the next week and build to the next week yeah. takes place. And it's like they're in perfect position. And all they need is two things to happen. One of those things is going to happen. Uh, in the Michigan State, I mean, the Michigan-Ohio State game, for sure. And then we have to more than likely sit there and wait for the SEC championship game and be Georgia Bulldog fans. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, and if that happens, you know, like you said, there's nothing that's going to stop them, maybe other than Oklahoma State having a debate if they do win the Big 12 championship. Yeah. Okay, there will be a debate. But once again, based upon what the committee has shown us, of how they view the Big 12 conference, I really don't think that would be much of a debate. It definitely won't be much of a debate from a marketing standpoint, financial standpoint, rating standpoint. That's that's not even close. Right. One of, one of the greatest things, we talk about game control. Notre Dame has to be, I think Notre Dame is like fourth in the nation since the loss to Cincinnati in game control. Like the scores might not indicate it, but they've had control of each and every game right. that they've played in from that point. So that bodes well for how the committee is going to view that team and their resume, even though they don't have that 13th game. Sure. And this is another thing. They might want to look at how they view the Big Ten. Because the Big Ten, in my opinion, is one elite program and like a bunch of mid-programs. <laughs> That's, look. There's no way the top team should be decimating the fourth, the fourth best, third best, second best team. Yeah. In their yeah. It shouldn't be that bad. And the gap 
say the gap between Notre Dame and the likes of Georgia and Alabama, whatever you think it is in your head, whatever that gap is, however you want to quantify it, multiply it. And that's the gap between Ohio State and the rest of that conference. They are that much better as a team than everyone else in that conference. And for me, that says a lot about the conference. When you really start to look at the scheduling and who these teams are playing head-to-head, and maybe you look at the Michigan's win over Michigan State, like, oh, well, now you look at Michigan losing to Michigan State after they lose to Ohio State, which I think they will, and you say to yourself, man, was Michigan really that good? Did they really have a good win? Right. You know, so those are some things that I think that stood out to me from this past week and the dominoes starting to fall as far as these openings for the coaches, especially after Mel Tucker decided to stay at Michigan State. You got Florida now, you have USC, the rumblings concerning Brian Kelly and all of that. It's just going to be an interesting end to this campaign all the way up to the college football playoffs. It's going to be really interesting to see how everything pans out. I agree. And it's going to be, I I think tonight, the most, one of the most telling things, and somebody mentioned it over here in the chat, I think one of the most telling things is going to be where they place Alabama and Ohio State tonight. I think they should flip-flop, don't you? I do. Oh, 100%. Yeah, they should flip. If if they're looking at this from a, a, uh, you know, an outside looking in. Yeah. Right. And, and just, you know, face value of everything that we've seen, um, then I think Ohio State should be above Alabama. Absolutely. It should be two, three, Ohio State, Alabama. If Alabama is still two, then it's going to be very interesting to see what happens if Georgia ends up beating Alabama in the SEC championship, what they do with a two loss Alabama. Because look, two loss team has obviously never made it into the college football playoff. Okay. I don't think that. They should, right. make it, but the committee obviously wants them to go in. So yeah. I think that's going to be real interesting. I, I do. I think that's going to be really, really interesting. So, you know, we'll see what happens tonight. And again, Brian and I will have that show. <clears throat> excuse me. Brian and I will have that show at about around 730. But make sure you hit that notification bell so that you know when that show is going to come up. Uh, but we're going to have a lot of fun with that show tonight. So. Let's get down to business, Sean, and let's talk about uh, the the game that is upcoming. Yes, it is Stanford. Uh, I'm sure that there's people out there that somehow think that this is a rivalry of some sort. Um, I think that that's obviously a, a ridiculous statement, um, but they play them year in and year out. Yeah because they want to make sure that they end the season in California. So one year you get USC, one year you you get uh, Stanford. I I don't know that it's necessary anymore because it's a recruiting thing. You know, Notre Dame coaches want to be out on the West Coast and all that stuff. Do, do you still see the value in having Stanford as your final game of the season every other year? Uh, from I don't really want to use the word tradition. But as a counter to USC, if maybe there might be another option, you know, because back in the day, they I thought Washington might end up being an option, but not Washington and the weather there is not as nice as California. To be honest, with the weather, 
the weather in Northern California is not as nice as Southern California. Fact, yes. You know, so, I'm, you know, going back to what we previously said and just making it a nexus to what we're talking about now, I would actually hire David Shaw on one of those job openings because I really think he's a really good coach. I just think, man, I feel bad for what's happening. Yeah. With this program because he's lost a lot of good coaches. Heck, we have his running back coach. Yeah, true. Notre Dame. And he's lost really good coaches. And you know how important it is as a coach, Vince, to have a great staff. And when you don't have the backing of the school to invest in keeping a staff and paying them well and making them want to stay there so that it can benefit the kids and benefit the program overall. Sure. You, you see the type of fall in the program that you've seen from Stanford. You Absolutely. Really do. And you Absolutely. see the drop off in, in, in talent on both sides of the ball. So, you know, I think he's a really good coach. And if, if I were him, I would be taking phone calls right now because I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, with that being said, you know, this is a game where I, it really should be a repeat, right? Yeah. Oh, if, I think so. If, if Notre Dame's really about their business and focusing, it should be a repeat. And I don't, I don't see a problem continuing, you know, playing Stanford every other year out there. I don't. I mean, heck, the way the schedule for the next two or three years is stacked up, especially at the beginning, you know, starting with Ohio State next year, you can afford a game like that on the back end. You yeah. know, because I'm sure USC will still be down next year. Oh, sure. And Stanford, I don't see them recovering in two or three years. So, yeah, I don't, I don't mind it. You know, it's not the most aesthetically pleasing game to watch, <laughs> you know, on a Thanksgiving weekend as you sit back. You know, you might – maybe you can just record it, go enjoy your, enjoy your day and come home and watch it later. Because I think you'll – yeah, you get the popcorn ready for the second quarter, Vince. This yeah, week right. As well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay, let's uh, let's throw this on up here and let's talk a little Notre Dame run defense versus Stanford run offense. And you're going to see a theme Whew. as we move forward. Um, as, as Notre Dame's numbers get smaller in a good way, uh, Stanford's numbers are are not good. You're going to see a lot of triple digits. Um, it's it's just not it's not very pretty. Notre Dame's run defense has just gotten better and better and better as the season has worn on. Um, you know they had the issues with the three front and on all of those fun things and all the complaints that they were having. They ran some three front by the way against Georgia Tech, but they brought four and five guys out of that three front. And they were living in the backfield of Georgia Tech. So it's I think it's a, it's it's a combination of Notre Dame getting better at what Marcus Freeman wants to do. And it was obviously also a combination of the fact that Georgia Tech wasn't very good. But I think Notre Dame is getting better at the scheme that Marcus Freeman wants to employ. You got to remember that was such an early on situation. They didn't want they never they hardly ever went three front in the past under Clark Lee. Right. And so it was new, and they they weren't playing it very well. And I think they're starting to acclimate themselves to that a, a little bit more as we move forward. Hey, Vince, are you sure you got these right? I, I know it's Stanford, but it really looks like the the uh, test scores plus extra credit 
for the Stanford players. They're really smart, right? They are smart. That's what I, I hear. Know. Maybe that's like 100 and they got 26 for extra credit. Okay. <laughs> maybe that's it. Like maybe we mix the numbers up. No, it just looks really bad. And, it, you know, I watched the Cal game and they yeah. got – they got two turnovers from Cal in the first three offensive plays, and yes. and they weren't able to cash, put up any points. They they went for it on fourth down on fourth and goal twice, twice and they the first two possessions, and they didn't get it. And they didn't get it. They got stuffed. Yeah, and it's just like you knew what David Shaw and his team, you knew what they were going to hang their hat on, and no, there's no coat rack, there's no hat rack, there's nothing to hang anything on now in this program and it's just kind of like let's just throw it up in the air to our receivers and hope they make a play let's run a trick play it's it's just really bad and when you see numbers like this you see an offense that has no anchor has nothing they can depend on nothing they can go to when times get tough and this right here was the the rock of this program yeah. for years all the way back to Jim Harbaugh. Right. I mean, yes. that was when they were bringing, you know, tackles into the backfield and that, yes. you know, I mean that they could run the ball against anybody and that carried over into, you know, after Jim Harbaugh left, it carried over for quite some time and not just his players. Right. I mean, it, it carried over much longer than him being gone. Yeah. Um, and then, you, you know, making the case that, Oh, well, it was Harbaugh's players, et cetera, et cetera. They've always been able to run the ball. Yeah. Not this year. And that's strange because yeah. I think Austin Jones is a really good back. Uh, I don't think they had the depth at running back that they normally had. <clears throat> they used to be able to go two, three deep and really pound you. Uh, the offensive line is definitely not getting the same push, and they're not as athletic. They're basically road graders. Their tackles – we, we can talk about that when we get to the passing game because their tackles are just not good. Yeah. Absolutely. And that just that's, that doesn't bode well with the way you just described this front seven is playing, getting used to Marcus Freeman's defense and his scheme. So I don't know. I don't even know if Notre Dame has to put an eighth man in the box against this run. When they go to the jumbo set, I'm sure a safety will come down into the box sure. because of the formation. But even when they go jumbo, you see by the numbers, they're not effective. Right, right. They're not effective. Yep. So you'll probably see them go to a lot of three, four wide receiver sets more than you're used to when you watch a Stanford game. And that's really strange. When I was watching the Cal game, I'm like, this is strange. I'm just yeah. used to Stanford lining up with a fullback, you know, four or five plays in a row yeah. and gashing teams. And I felt like, somebody has stolen players and actually put them in Stanford uniforms. Like there's no way this can be the players that we have normally seen developed under David Shaw and his uh, staff, but yards per attempt at 3.3. Yeah. That's, that's blasphemous. If you're going yeah. back looking at what Stanford has been as a program. Well, they don't even average hundred yards a game. I mean, that, frankly, they're far off from it. Yeah. Average, average per game starts with an eight like yeah. that. That is uncalled for and unacceptable. And I, I'm sure David Shaw is up late at night, you know, not getting a whole lot of sleep because of all of this. Um, it, look, they try to run the ball. They, I mean, they, they, their attempts are there, but they're just not doing what they need to do in the run game. They're, they're getting pushed back. They're stalemating at the line of scrimmage. Yeah. 
Um, even when they try to get to the perimeter, their backs are getting chased down. Uh, you know, this is this is feeding right into what Notre Dame does well. Number one, they do a great job of stalemating offensive lines. And number two, they do a great job of rallying to the football in, in space. Um, and I just do not see a scenario where Stanford's run game is going to be in any way effective against Notre Dame's run defense. Vince, the last three offensive lines we've watched Notre Dame go up against. Do you watch those offensive lines and have empathy for the fan bases and maybe ask yourself, man, was I a little bit too harsh early in the season or I, on Notre Dame's offensive line? Because this is I, – I know Notre Dame's offensive line was struggling early, but this has been a season-long struggle for Stanford, Georgia Tech, and Virginia. And I can't believe someone's offensive line is this bad. Yeah. Yeah. I just I can't believe it. Georgia Tech was bad. Right. Georgia Tech was bad. But watching the film on Stanford, I was shocked. And maybe because I know what the standard of Stanford offensive lineman is, I think that's why I was shocked the most. I couldn't right. believe that I was watching, like you said, not being able to set the edge, not being able to set the, the offensive line, and not being able to go ahead and execute blockings and get to they're not getting to the second level at all. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Even when they bring in three, you know, the 13 personnel and they've got everybody yeah. up on the line of scrimmage, they're not getting to the second level at all. No. And you yes. talked about the running backs being met on the edges. Yeah. Because the linebackers are running free. Yep. Could not agree yeah. more. So uh I will ask for the sake of the fact that we do this. Uh, but where do you put the advantage in this matchup, Sean Davis? I would take the Notre Dame scout team <laughs> <laughs> over the Russian attack at a Stanford Cardinal. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, but no, in all seriousness, Notre Dame, Notre Dame will. I'll step out there on that ledge. Notre Dame will dominate yeah. Stanford and this offensive line. And if their average is 89, I'll be shocked if they get 75. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I, I think, first of all, I think that the, the score is going to be lopsided. And mm -hmm. so they're not going to even have the opportunity to run the game a whole lot. They'll try early. Notre Dame will shut it down. I mean, and they, and I, we're, you know, I guess I can talk about this now before we get to the pass game. But if, yeah. if folks out there think that uh, Jack Cohn is immobile, Ooh. Wait till you see Tanner McKee. Oh my goodness! Ooh. Oh, oh my goodness! I, you you want the definition of a mobile? Tanner McKee's uh, face is right there in the dictionary. Yes, um, he is so much worse as far as mobility is concerned. Uh, if we're comparing the two quarterbacks that are going to be starting the game on Saturday night, uh, it's. I mean, it was slow motion. Um, it was slow motion. It was not good. You had to you had to sit there and like double click the remote. Like, do I have it in slow motion or do I, is this regular time? Oh man, I saw one play where it was a planned rollout. Not it a good idea. A, it was a disaster. Not a good idea. It was a disaster, and I'm Ooh. saying to myself, "Oh my god!" I'm, I'm literally <laughs> watching and saying, "I know Notre Dame and their defensive lineman and Mike Elston are sitting there in the scouting room." watching film, licking their chops like, oh, oh, this is going to be fun. 
we can eat this weekend. Yeah. We can really, we're going to eat on Thanksgiving. Yeah. We're going to get an after meal on Saturday. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah, I, obviously, I'm going to go with the advantage to Notre Dame as well. This is Absolutely. not a close matchup in any way, shape, or form. I think that uh, the tackles for loss is going to – that number is going to get higher. That number is going to get better as, as they move forward. Uh, I think the, the yards per game for Notre Dame is going to go down after this game is over. There is no chance, no chance Stanford gets to 133 yards a game – or 133 yards against Notre Dame. So that number is going to go down. Um, yeah, it, it, this is going to be, this is a huge advantage to Notre Dame. So let us move forward to the Notre Dame passing game. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the Notre Dame pass defense mm -hmm. uh, against the Stanford pass offense. And here are the numbers <clears throat> and no surprise. The numbers are lopsided once again. Yeah. Uh, and I will continue on with my diatribe about Jack Cohn. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, about uh, McKee and his immobility. He also has a very long throwing motion. Like, he yeah. brings it all the way back and all the way forward. That is going to take some time to get rid of. I, all I see when I see that is strip sacks and the ball getting loose because of Notre Dame's rush them getting their hands on the ball as it's going through the the, the windmill motion uh, that McKee has. Now, look, he's got a strong arm, but in the games that I've watched up to this point, he's all arm. Like, he yeah. doesn't even, he doesn't step into his throw. Now, part yeah. of that, because he doesn't really have an opportunity to step into a lot of throws, uh, but he's all arm with his throws. And when it takes that long to get rid of the football, you are inviting a good pass rush to just absolutely mess with that and and knock the ball loose and I mean I, I I just I just feel like Notre Dame is just staring at turnovers right in the face against this team. You took the words right out of my mouth and what <laughs> we've seen from this young secondary that has come in in the stead of the All American being on the sideline with the injured knee, Xavier Watts and Vermont Henderson and the range that they've shown and their willingness to stick their head in and tackle and be in the right spots, I think they're going to get opportunities for multiple interceptions. And Isaiah Foskey, look, he has an opportunity to declare Stanford Stadium as his. Oh, I yeah. My field. You remember the last time we played Stanford at that stadium? He had the big punt block. That's I right. In return. So he had a big game that game, even though he wasn't a starter defensively. And I think he has another big game as a pass rusher. I'm gonna I'm gonna put him down. I think he's gonna match Riley Mills from Virginia. Okay. I really okay. do. Get, get two? Yeah. Or did Riley have three? Three. He had three. He had three. That's how he ended up flying first class back home. That's right. He had three. That's right. He's gonna get three. But I look for some interior guys to get sacks as well. Yeah. Notre Dame might reach that eight nine status in sacks yeah. right. against Stanford. Because like you said, once Notre Dame scores early and Stanford is forced to get out of that ball control. Stanford only scores 21 points per game. They only put up 11 against Cal. And Cal's defense is nowhere near Notre Dame's defense. So I'm looking at all of these numbers, and I look at Stanford coming in at around 75 yards rushing and 219 yards through the air. Nah, maybe 150, 160. Yeah. With a couple of interceptions, boatload of sacks. 
that completion percentage won't be 63%. I can tell you that. Right, right. And they do a lot of RPOs, you know, yeah. they, they, but it's they're so slow. Like their RPOs are so slow. I I, I just don't know. Well, they're not effective with it, obviously, as we're right. looking at these numbers. They're not effective with their RPOs. And they're the 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 lack of speed at which they run their RPOs is going to be detrimental to them. I mean, if you look at these numbers, okay, Notre Dame is fourth in the country uh-huh. in sacks and sacks allowed for Stanford's 102nd. Okay. Right there. If those the all these numbers throw them out the window, that number right there, yeah, jump off the page. Yeah. I mean, jump off the page at you. I mean, they have 38 sacks, and and thanks to uh, Jackson Hignite over in our chat, I will throw it up here. He says, fun fact, Stanford gives up about three sacks a game. If Notre Dame meets or beats that mark, they'll have the all-time team sack record, which is 41, set back in 1996. Um, I, I think they're going to blow that number away. I wonder if there's an over-under on that in Vegas, because I would take that prop bet. Oh, my goodness. I would take the over in a heartbeat. Yeah. Over three? Oh, in a heartbeat. It's going to be over three in the first half. Yeah, you're probably yeah. right. Yeah, you're probably I, right. I just think they're they're gonna they're gonna blow by that number. Uh, yeah, it, and it's going to be ugly. Um, you know, again, their quarterback is one of the most immobile guys I've seen in a really long time. He wears that like offensive line knee brace on one of his legs. Yeah, he's not looking to run, and he will turtle shell it just like Jack Cohn did a few times earlier on in the season. If there's any hint of pressure, um, he's going to go down. And Notre Dame is going to be in his face. I mean, I, Marcus Freeman and this front seven and, and Coach Elston, and, and you know, they've got to be licking their chops at the opportunity to get to, to continue with the game plan that they had against Georgia Tech. Just that aggressive coming at you from all angles, yeah. you know, game plan that they had. Just repeat it. Repeat that game plan against Stanford, and you're going to have just a boatload of success. Yeah, and with, you know, this is a typical Stanford team. Multiple tight ends they like to use, and big wide receivers they like to throw the 50-50 balls to, right? The only difference is the play action isn't as effective because the running game is so bad. So now that you don't have that running game to be able to pull the safety down for the majority of the plays that you run, right? the post patterns that they like to run, the fades that they like to run, really aren't effective because I was watching the game and Cal refused even on third down to go to man to man. They would, they would fake show one thing and immediately go to two man cover two or even quarters. Like they just refuse to give the opportunity for the jump balls. And I don't know what Marcus Freeman has up his sleeve, you know, cause I, I definitely think Notre Dame is going to be far more aggressive than Cal was. Cal basically just let their, four defensive linemen wreck havoc and the linebackers and shut everything down. Marcus Freeman, I think, whether it's three down linemen, four down linemen, they're going to be coming after a sitting duck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're going to come after him, and they're going to force the short passes because, like you said, they want to go play action and take hits over the top to get the big plays. And I think they'll try to eliminate that and force the ball out of his hands quicker than he might want to get it out of. Absolutely. And and look, Stanford went play action. I believe it was play action, but they went deep on a post first game of the first uh, play of the game against Cal. That's pick, right? Because it yeah. was thrown. I mean, it was it was just. I mean, it was 
there was nothing on that ball whatsoever. Uh, be, honestly, because McKee throws all arm and yeah. he, got, he got nothing on that ball. Um, and it, it, again, we, 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 you know, we're talking about the front seven licking their chops in the past game. Secondary's got to be doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're they're going to have opportunities to you know better their fifth ranked mark in interceptions in this game. I mean, they 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 should be able to ball hawk um, in this one. I I, I there, there's going to be so many balls in the air and there's going to be so many balls up for grabs that I, I just feel like this Notre Dame team is going to have an opportunity to yeah. not only you know the front seven turning the ball over with with strip sacks and things of that nature, but also you know, being able to get balls out of the air and pick them off and then, you know, give the offense short field and, you know, the game over. Yeah. And we could ease in Notre Dame fans. I know a lot of them, you know, are leery about going out to Stanford Stadium because a lot of crazy things have happened sure. out at that stadium when sure. the game has gone out there with a particular bowl on the line or a big time bowl on the line with the win. This won't be the case this weekend. Yeah. You know, enjoy your Thanksgiving. Let all the anxiety go away. Yeah. And just enjoy what you're going to see at Stanford Stadium on Saturday. But more than likely, it's going to be a dominant performance by your Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And I'll ask you this question as a tease. Okay. We're talking about, we're talking about Stanford's offense against our defense. And you guys are going to be talking about, of course, the reverse on tomorrow. Correct. Brian. From what you've seen, what's worse? The D line or the O line for Stanford? Whoa, man! Because <laughs> I can't wait to, for you guys to put up some of the stats from their D line and their run defense over the last three games. I mean, hey, the, the the Cal running back had a had a career day. Yeah, a career day, and I mean, and all he did was make one little jab step move. And if he was any faster, he would have taken it to the house. But he got caught from behind. Um, cause he's kind of a little roly poly running back, but, um, I mean, he didn't get touched he at didn't all get touched. at all. I, I, you know, they, their run fits are, are horrible. So that's a really good question. I'm going to have to think about the, uh, who, which one's worse because they're both pretty bad. Um, they the, are. the, the Jeff Quinn apologists are going to have a good time with, uh, with this game because the offensive line should be very good. They should be the yeah. numbers. At the end of the day, the numbers, the run game numbers should be very good. Of course, we'll talk about that more tomorrow. But, yeah, it's going to be the, – the trenches should belong to Notre Dame on both sides of the ball. Here's another one. Who's, okay. more, who's more aggressive on Saturday, Tommy Rees or Marcus Freeman? Well, I think it's going to end up being Marcus Freeman. But Tommy Rees should be able to just do whatever he wants to do. Yeah. And he should have success doing just about whatever he wants to do. And – if last week is any indication, and if they can build off what they did last week, mm-hmm. it's going to be beautiful. Yeah. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be fun to watch because I I loved the game plan on both sides of the ball last week. So Because they were both aggressive. Both sides of the ball were aggressive. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. I think this is a game where we see the return of Cam Hart. Yeah. I think Cam – because Cam really hasn't gotten a lot of balls thrown at him per game. Teams have really gone after Tariq Bracey and – Tariq Bracey and Clarence Lewis. I think he'll get a. I think he'll get an interception. He was on a roll there early yeah. in the season. I think he gets an interception this week. Gets off the snide and 
we see one of his best games, especially against the taller receivers of Stanford. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay, so so uh, formality here, uh, advantage two. Oh, heck, man! <laughs> can we? How far can we take? Yeah, the, can we go down any further? It's like, yeah, the advantage past defense of Notre Dame, and once again, like the way you talked about Marcus Freeman and the way he's developed and the way he has, I think he's really been patient. Because he's been in between, in my opinion, he's been in between a rock and a hard place, which is what he wants to do. And early on in the season, trying to please his head coach. And his head coach, in my opinion, as you said, has really backed up his offensive line coach and protected him and shielded him from the criticism. Absolutely. But at the same time, he's been very open in his criticism of things that have gone wrong defensively in certain games and press conferences. And so the way he's handled himself and everything that's happened and has gotten that defense to this point to be performing at top notch, we know who they're facing. Sure. They're not the best teams. But you still go out there and you perform no matter who's on the field. Right. It's about your level of excellence and what you want to do, regardless who the opponent is. And I think he's done a masterful job of bringing this defense along. I agree completely, completely. Uh, Before we uh, I will also give my advantage to Notre Dame. Obviously, that's 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 a no brainer for everybody. Um, But before we jump into the scoring uh, defense versus Stanford scoring offense, we have a couple super chats I want to get to. Sean, Kevin Fetters. Thank you for the super chat, Kevin. Really, really appreciate it. He says the Notre Dame defense should continue to have some success uh, or the same success as the last three weeks. Can't wait to see what happens the next two. Uh, Want the playoffs so bad. Would rather not leave it in the hands of the committee, but we get the help we need to get in. Look, Notre Dame, obviously, after they lost at home to Cincinnati, they gave up their their opportunity to have their future in their own hands. Yep. What they coordination. Absolutely. What they can control is how they play against Stanford, mm-hmm. right? Just how they yeah. control how they played against Georgia Tech and how they will play against Stanford. Those are the yeah. only things that they can control, and then they have to sit back and they have to wait. Um, but here's what we know. Ohio State or Michigan are each going to have a second loss. Yes. They're going to fall behind, right? And we, we can assume that Notre Dame is going to be six in this week, and both Ohio State and Michigan are ahead of them. So that one of them is going to fall back, so that moves Notre Dame up to five. And then Georgia and Alabama have to play. And if Alabama wins, Notre Dame's out. Yeah. And 
Georgia and Alabama are both in. I get that. If Georgia wins, Alabama with two losses, you have a conversation. But I think Notre Dame is the four at that point. Yeah. And, and Cincinnati's the three. And there's some discussion going on in the chat about how you know Cincinnati should not be ranked below Notre Dame if they're undefeated. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. Yeah. Rank ahead of Notre Dame. Now, yeah. since he picks up an L someplace, now you've got a topic of conversation um, where I think that they would move Notre Dame past Cincinnati. But, yeah. again, that's that's only if Cincinnati – I'm assuming in this scenario, I'm assuming that Cincinnati wins out, right? And I think they'll be three. They play Houston. They're a better team than Houston, and more than likely they'll have to play them back-to-back weeks. Right. I think the more dangerous game will be the second game. Sure. Cincinnati was sure. having to play two, that team two weeks in a row. Tough. Yes. Yeah. And and the bad thing about Cincinnati, you know, football, they're like a Desmond Ritter twisted ankle away. Sure. Early in the game from everything going down the drains. Sure. So, you know, it's very tenuous for them. Absolutely. I think that's really why you saw the performances from them after the Notre Dame game, because I think they were uptight. I yeah. think they realized, like, okay, we beat Notre Dame. Now we got a shot. Now we're favored, big favorites in every game. Yeah. And they played a little uptight. And finally last week against SMU, you saw the team that is better than everybody else in their conference. They came out and played like it on their, their senior day. And, Yeah. Yep. I agree. They should be number three, and Notre Dame shouldn't be in front of them. But Notre Dame, like you said, only needs two things to happen. Exactly. Those things, I think, will happen, to be honest with you. I I think, you know, as much as I give, and Brian, and we all give Kirby Smart a hard time about not being a good in game coach. Yeah. He's got better horses than Alabama does this year. This year. Yeah. This year. Yeah. Would I be surprised if Alabama won? No, I would not be surprised. Right. But, I anticipate that Georgia will beat Alabama. I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's why they got to play the game, obviously. And then, of course, you've got the Big 12 situation happening right behind you. Yeah. And everybody needs to be an Oklahoma fan this week. Yeah. Like, you need you need Oklahoma to beat Oklahoma State. And then in the Big 12 championship, you need Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma. Like, right. they, they need to split. If they split, you don't have to worry about the Big 12 anymore. Right? And you know – what irritated me the most, I saw this a uh, bunch of media types, and you know, they always have narratives that are anti-Notre Dame. So we we expect that. But a bunch of media types were talking about how Notre Dame, you know, they're gonna come up short once again because they're greedy and they just don't want to join a conference and they don't want to give up the independence. And I'm like, look, man, Notre Dame comes into every year knowing we gotta run the table more right. than likely. Sure. That's it. We have to run the table. Right. And then that's it. And there's they look, we all know there's no way they should have lost to Cincinnati. Notre Dame is the better football team. No question. Notre Dame has the better talent. They they played like crap that day. They played, they played their work like game. crap. Cincinnati took advantage of it. Yeah. Not one time did Notre Dame make Cincinnati feel uncomfortable in that game. Completely agree. Not one time. Completely agree with that. Yeah. So the perfect recipe for, for Cincinnati is what took place. Yeah. So you tip your cap, and like you said, now your fate is in the hands of the committee. Yep, exactly. Yep. And that was That's on Notre Dame, yep. right? I mean, that's on them. Uh, yep. We've got a couple more Super Chats, and then we'll get to our scoring. 
Uh, Will Claw says it shows how far USC has fallen as well since they were blown out by Stanford team by this Stanford team in the Coliseum. No question. Yeah, and it now, does my heart well. I will say they they've had I think two major injuries along the offensive line, and early on I think that offensive line unit was that was a stretch where they blew USC out, and then they went up there and beat Oregon in overtime. So they were playing well. The offensive line was playing well early, and then they had some key injuries, and then you saw things start to fall apart. So, yeah, as I said before, they just don't have the same depth in the program that they used to have under David Shaw. So you're right. That says a lot about where USC is. Right. Blown out by this team. Right. Absolutely. Uh, no question. And we got one more super chat. It said from diehard fan in Fort Worth. Thank you. Uh, Die hard. He says, uh, what's up with the spread only being 17 and a half because nobody trusts that Notre Dame is going to come out and play a complete game like they did last week. I mean, hey, run, run to the window and yeah. say, thank you. Absolutely. Don't ask the question. Just just go put your money down and say thank you. That's what we all did when Notre Dame was, you know, the eight and a half wins on the season, right? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's chump change. It's easy yeah. money. I mean, yeah. So if you're confident in Notre Dame, as I am and as I believe Sean is, yeah, uh, I think that that would fall into the category of a sucker bet. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's that should be I, spread for the first half, Vince. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cannot agree more. All right, Sean, let's let's uh, polish this off again. Let's look at these numbers here. Notre Dame scoring defense versus Stanford scoring offense. Again, we're, we're staring triple digits right in the face uh, over here for Stanford. Points per game, they only score three touchdowns. Yards per game, they're a shade over 300, which puts them nine spots away from the worst in college football. Um, their third down offense is atrocious, 111th in the country. Uh, you know, once they get in the red zone, they're not too bad. And yeah. that, those numbers were actually hurt uh, against Cal because yeah. they turned it over twice in the red zone uh, against Cal. But then you you switch gears and you look over at Notre Dame and uh, the rankings that they have. And, again, uh, it, it's it's no contest. I mean, Notre Dame is, is, is holding teams to 18.6 points, which ranks them 12th. Their touchdown percentage in the red zone is fourth in the country. They, they've gained 21 turnovers, which is top 15 in the country. I mean, the, the, the numbers don't lie, right? I mean, Stanford likes to turn the ball over. Notre Dame likes to take the ball away. Stanford can't score, and Notre Dame keeps teams out of the end zone. Uh, a team hasn't scored a touchdown, I believe, on Notre Dame in the entire month of November. So, I mean – it's a it's a lofty thing to say that that streak will continue that they're going to hold Stanford out of the end zone the entire game. Yeah, but w- watching this offense, it's definitely possible. Vince, I can't believe they're at thirty three percent conversion rate <laughs> on third down. That that stat is mind boggling, and I'm just basing that on what I expect from Stanford. Because I expect them to be in third and short a lot. And what that tells you is they're not in their typical third and three, third and two situations where they can put you in the mix in the mixer and have right. you on your heels because you don't know what they're going to do. Run the ball or run play action and get their tight ends, you know, running to the sidelines or coming across or even running that post. This is crazy. Now we know 
while they're good in the red zone, right? Their receivers are big. And yeah. their tight ends are big, and they like to throw the ball up to them. And look, their receivers aren't terrible. No. I mean, Michael Wilson, I think, is pretty good. He's number four. I think uh, Henning is good. Wilson's yeah. good. Absolutely. Yep. No question. And so, they, I mean, they've got guys that can play. It's just getting them the ball on yeah. time is a very difficult task for this Stanford offense. I mean, it, that, you know, there are too many, too many times, you know, teams are in the backfield making things very difficult for Stanford and they can't get the ball to their wide receivers. Yeah. And I like to say this, Drew White has been injured. We know his, his knee's been an issue. But really, this part of the schedule has been perfect for Bo Bauer. And that's why you've seen Bo Bauer come on. He's he's better in coverage. And he's gotten better sure. in with each game. I agree. And I think early in the season, we saw a lot of completions, like, over the middle. And as time has gone on, they've gotten better in the system. You've seen those easy completions over the middle become more and more difficult. Linebackers are getting their hands on the ball. Uh, defensive line are getting their hands up, knocking balls down. And now everybody's in unison. That's, that's really what you were pointing out, Vince, in your earlier comments. Now you see everybody in this system doing their job and they're working very cohesively as a unit. And you can, you, you're more than likely going to continue to see that against Stanford. These numbers bear it out. Whether it's the scoring, the passing, or the defense, when I look at these and the rankings, it's almost like a perfect match. Like there's no better opponent to have in the last game for this Notre Dame defense than this Stanford offense. Absolutely. Like to make a statement. A, yeah. Yep, to make a statement because yeah. they do need, they still need to make a statement. And look, absolutely. Last week Notre Dame made a statement against Georgia Tech. Guess what? Yeah. Daddy also made a statement. I mean, they. I, I. I was hoping that they'd get upset. I think I called for it in our predictions. They made a statement. They. They blew them out. Right. I mean, that yeah. was that was a, an SMU team that can score the football, and they didn't score against Cincinnati. Um, and Cincinnati made a statement. So th- this is another opportunity, and frankly, their last opportunity for Notre Dame to make a statement. If they can go out there on the road in prime time. You know, after all the other rivalry games, or most of the rivalry games are concluded, yeah. you know, they can make a statement, and that is going to be the lasting impression that this committee has of Notre Dame. Because, again, we all know they don't have that 13th data point. And, again, I don't think that it matters as much as all the talking heads want to say that it matters, not having the conference championship game. But they're still sitting idle that week. Yeah. And I, and I think that means more – than not playing a championship. It's just they're not playing that week, yeah. right? If they somehow finagled their schedule, which would be very difficult because you'd have to play an independent team, you know, the week of the championships, that's something that Notre Dame, I don't, maybe they've looked at it, but, you know, playing a team the following week so that they have something to put out there during the championship weekend. It's interesting to see what, what could they add. Would they right. add that a game at the beginning of the season? Sure. Like I would love. I'm. A, I'll be honest with you. Like I'm all for playing Ohio State early in the season, but I would like to have a, a, a tune-up. Yeah. Right. For that game. You know. Wrong. You know. So yeah, having a 13th game, I don't think will hurt. And more than likely, if you know Notre Dame and that schedule, then they probably would make it a home game. Oh, absolutely. To get the yeah. extra revenue. 
Because if you, you'd have to go up against an independent, right? So you, yeah, you would. You, you, you know, or whoever that that's independent, you know, play them that weekend. Even if it's your, just your twelfth game. Yeah. Even if it's your twelfth game, playing on that weekend when everybody else is still playing, I think could be beneficial. Again, I'm talking out of my rear, but um, you know, just something to ponder. But when we look at this matchup, Notre Dame scoring defense versus Stanford scoring offense, I'll ask you again because that's what we do. Where does your advantage lie, Mr. Davis? Oh, man. Notre Dame. Stanford. Oh, boy. All of their <laughs> averages are going to go down after this game. They're already bad. But their points per game is going to go down. Their yards per game. Every, everything's going to plummet after this game. Notre Dame might might hold them to a season low. Yeah. I think they, they put up 11 points against Cal last week. Notre Dame can, Notre Dame can hold them under 10. Notre Dame is a lot better than Cal. Yeah. A lot better than Cal. Yeah. I mean, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. Um, the, the, yeah, this one should not be close. This is clearly an advantage for Notre Dame. No question about it. This defense, like, like I said, just send the game plan from last week through the copy machine, hand that one back out, uh, because if they're as aggressive as they were against Georgia Tech, uh, against a quarterback who was somewhat mobile, Against this quarterback, who is not mobile in any way, shape, or form, yeah, um, I, the sack numbers are going to be outrageous, and the turnovers are going to be just as good. Yeah, the groundskeeper must be on a strike, though. That, <laughs> that grass at Stanford Stadium looks really long. It was rough. I yeah. mean, and it was torn up too. And not only was it long, but it was torn up. That's why I say he must be on strike. Man, that was uh, it, that was rough. That, that, was, that was rough to look at. Um, Okay, so advantage clearly goes to Notre Dame here for both of us, no question about it. Uh, Sean, any final thoughts uh, before we shove on out of here? Oh, man, once again, I would like to give a big shout-out to Irish Breakdown and the philanthropic work that was connected to last Wednesday. Uh, That's what Brian is right now. He is still purchasing and delivering uh, food and, and making that money go as far as it possibly will go and he's basically taking the whole day today uh to be you know the thanksgiving clause and just you know getting all of your guys's generosity out to everyone else Um, and it is it's heartwarming it's inspiring and i'm glad that he's able to do it and we're happy to pick up the slack with the show while he is out uh you know delivering and buying and doing all of that so that's where brian is for those who who are unaware uh, but he's he is doing his thing and, and spending that awesome money. Um, but yes, dropping dimes asks if there's a show tonight. Yes, there will be a show tonight, uh, right around seven thirty. I think the rankings yeah. come out at seven, mm-hmm. uh, or the show starts at seven, right? So we will attempt to do one at around seven thirty, and uh, we'll have some fun with it. I, this is one of my favorite parts of the week is uh, yeah. talking college football and and breaking down these uh, these rankings because again. Very interested to see what two and three are. Man, I'm very interested in that. And just, just to continue, man, it's great to have, be a community um, yes. surrounded by Notre Dame football and coming here and talk about Notre Dame football. It's even better to be able to take that feeling and that vibe of community and be able to spread that love abroad and help others. So I just want to say to everybody in Irish Breakdown, IB Nation, I'm thankful for you guys for being yeah. people that we can come and talk to and share in this community that is college football and Notre Dame football and happy Thanksgiving and happy holidays to everyone out there. Absolutely. Enjoy yourselves and be safe. 
Absolutely, Sean. Thank you again for joining me and uh, being in the on-deck circle, just ready to go to bat, man. I, I appreciate it always. Always love doing the show with you. Same here. Uh, I appreciate it. And we are at the witching hour, so uh, I will say goodbye. And uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, so you know what time we're going to be on tonight uh, and post-game shows. Uh, if you're listening on podcast, make sure you give us a five-star review. Uh, and we will – for Sean, I'm Vince, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs>